Now, um, Smart Pots have been made right here in Oklahoma City uh, since 1984. How many? No, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I, 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 but go ahead and finish your question, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get I'll get to the rest of the answer. Okay. Uh, how many Smart Pots have been produced over the years? Well, a bunch, but initially, like I said, 1984. You know, when my dad started things, he didn't want to make anything. He wanted to have other people make stuff for him. His idea of a company was that we would sell stuff, but we'd leave the making, the manufacturing, to somebody who we could contract with, and they would make it for us. And that's what we did for the first 10, almost 15 years. Again, okay. going back to the 10 or 15 years of, of just a treat, just a root control bag, mm -hmm. just in the ground and all that kind of stuff. So we had our product contract manufactured with a company in New Orleans, for 10 or 15 years for a long time okay and we constantly constantly had product quality issues mm -hmm. the, the product quality particularly right at first was was bad mm -hmm. and, and and but again you got to remember you're growing a maple tree or an oak tree so it takes two or three years before you realize just how bad it is sure you know so you can plant something out in 1984 you're not going to dig it out until 1986 and then roots are going to be everywhere it's a mess so that becomes a big issue for us early on, a poorly made product. And then as you try to improve, you, how do you even, you know, so it took a long number of years yeah. for us to learn how to make a good bag for a grower, for a plant grower. Yeah. You know, what kind of thread do you use? What kind of fabric do you use? Do you, do you, you know, all of these things that go into it. Uh, it took quite a few years and, frankly, quite a few mistakes, or uh, mistakes is the wrong word. Just, well, just, you're, you you're know, inventing just, a new product, a new so product, you're, yeah. you're, you're not sure <laughs> of the right way to do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we, our, our test product, our test market here is trees. Mm -hmm. So it takes a few yeah. years to it's a learn. Long, it's, it's a long, long cycle. You, know, you grow an oak tree. Well, it takes a long, it takes two or three years to grow that oak tree. So it's a long cycle. The nice thing about growing an oak tree, however, is that even though it takes a long time, you've got a root structure out there that's really putting a lot of force and pressure on the fabric. So you're going to learn, is it a decent fabric or not? Well, if you can do it with an oak, you can do it with, you've got a good fabric there. Mm -hmm. So it took us quite a few years to learn how to make a good fabric. In fact, once we then you know, made the change and started working above ground and started pitching above ground and talking about above ground. Then, of course, and started to be successful and started getting to, to stores. Then, of course, all the knockoffs suddenly come. You know, anybody who's, mm -hmm. you know, has some fabric and the Chinese-made bags and every knockoff in the world. And I remember uh, one of our uh, customers, a distributor, who I, I, I won't name to protect the guilty anyway they came out with a house-made bag uh, and I remember seeing them at a trade show and when I, I saw them at the show and I saw the bag and I thought ah, oh, those you know sons of bitches are knocking us off they're selling our product but they've got some cheap Chinese product and and you know maybe mad and uh, and I was talking to the, the salesman you know because our friends friends of ours so, and he goes, yeah, oh, we had to do it, I, you know, because we need a cheap, cheap bag in there. 
And, and you know, so I, I said, well, you know, and I reached down, I grabbed the bag, and I picked it up, and immediately knew, well, this bag is terrible. You guys don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to grow anything in this. You, you, got, you totally have the wrong fabric, and the thread isn't any good, and, you know, this bag is just dirt. It's terrible, mm -hmm. you know. But it was like, okay, I'm not going to tell you this. Because we've spent years struggling with right. bad fabric, bad, bad everything. You know, yeah. follow, we've spent years learning how to make a great product. And so if you guys want to trot out with a, a marginal, less than marginal product, you know, be my guest. I can tell you what's going to happen about three years from now. You're going to have a lot of unhappy customers. And they'll be talking about how the fabric fell apart in the middle of a big grow and how the roots didn't really, you know, they didn't really fiber and prune. They circled around. Oh, but the bag held extra moisture and became waterlogged, and then that yep. rotted out everything. And, and, well, I could have told you right there by feeling their fabric what was going to happen. But, of course, I didn't want to. I didn't want to share that. They with had them. to learn the hard they way. They had to but, learn the hard way. Yeah. You know? But the bad part about that is, of course, if a customer hasn't tried a smart pot, if they haven't tried a bag that actually works, mm -hmm. well, then they think all fabrics are the same. Right. Well, they're not. You know, this is a new category, a new way of growing, and it works great because, because you know, we know what we're doing. We spent 15 years in the wilderness Yep. You know, perfecting that before we then finally started making this above ground. And we finally we finally got, you know, the smart pot that actually does all of these things that you need, that you want done to make your growing work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that, you know, fabric is fabric, but, you know, right. there's a big difference between, you know, a cotton shirt right. and a cashmere sweater well, or, and you there's know, a or a nylon there's jacket. There's a difference even between a, a, a good cotton shirt and a mediocre Certainly. sewn cotton shirt. And of course, I didn't quite get into it, but, but in that process of 15 years, then we started to shift manufacturing up here to Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. I started to think, you know, we need to be making this ourselves. More quality control. More quality control. Not that the guys we were working with weren't trying to do a good job. They they did as good a job as they as they could have. I I we had a very positive relationship with them. Um, but when you're doing it yourself, you just it just you just figure out ways to make it a little bit better, and mm -hmm. you're there doing it, and it just works And the refining out process better. goes quicker, and too. And the refining process goes quicker, and everything about it works better with when you're doing it yourself with, with some quality control. And then, of course, if you're doing it yourself, then when customers call up, like the customer in Tampa, and they say, you know, well, I want to do this above ground, but we're going to need it a little different. We're going to need... Uh, a little bit different bottom can you do that and we need this a little longer and we need you know mm -hmm. you can accommodate or yep. when gardener supply calls up and says we want to do this potato bag but you know we don't want just your regular stuff we need we need some special yep handles or, or whatever yep then if you're making it yourself yes you can do it yep i remember i had uh, dinner one time with the uh, one of the head uh, guys at Gardner Supply, and he said, uh, it's great working with you guys because, uh, uh, you know, I can have an idea and call you all up and, 
and I can have a prototype on my desk within a couple of weeks. Yep. And I said, well, can't you do that with, with everybody, every supplier you work with? And he looked at me like I was nuts. I said, <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? He goes, first of all, we make, you know, we make most everything comes from China. And it takes a long time to get a prototype. And then there's a lot of, you know, it just takes a long, long time. Certainly. Um, when you're making it here, it's one of the big advantages to Made in USA. And, you know, Made in USA is kind of a jingo, you know, Made in USA. Uh, but it actually does mean something in the sense that when you're dealing with someone here in the country and you can send a prototype back and they can look at it and say, well, can you do a little this or that, you know, and, and we can get, you know, you can work with people. Yep. And uh, that becomes very powerful. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of customers that really appreciate, you know, the service that uh, High Caliper right. provides. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, going along your lines, like uh, some of our SKUs that, you know, we sell were originally, you know, product innovations that right. some yeah. of our customers, right. Right. you know, had. Like, hey, can you make yeah. this? And well, know, boom, we got you a know, new product to since, sell. Since the first smart pot basically you know where i thought okay we'll do it but this guy's nuts you know well mm -hmm. sometimes well they're always nuts okay but sometimes those nutty ideas work out and it works out where there's a million other people that would like that idea or it, it just goes forward so yeah you know so we're that's that's kind of that's where innovation comes from and yep. that's where we move forward and uh, it's amazing how many ideas come along that you initially think well that won't work yeah but you know yeah if, if you guys have any ideas yeah. for any uh smart pot innovations uh <laughs> hit us up <laughs> we might send you uh uh the next big thing <coughs> well uh, certainly on prototypes mm -hmm. we'll you know yeah, yeah, we we never know until we make it and right, and, yeah. and find out, you know, is this viable and, you know, um, uh, scalable too. Um, now, uh, you know, I've seen the production floor downstairs where they're making uh, smart pots. It takes a small army. Um, can you talk about, you know, the production team? Well, we now have, you know, quite a few employees, you know, way over 100, and, and uh, so we're now a you know, a, a somewhat sizable company, you know, grown from from dad and I, basically. Uh, so it's kind of amazing. And and at times we have had, you know, a lot more. It, it is a challenge always to know, you know, how many bags do we need to make? How many, you know, how many people do we need to have? Mm -hmm. And, you know, our guys like a lot of overtime. So it's a challenge to keep all of that together and keep it rolling and functioning yeah and um and 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 what's so. what's really cool i think about you know high caliper growing is a lot of the people that you know work down here are you know first generation americans who you know might not be able to you know because of a language barrier work you know certain jobs right. but you know they're able to you know sew and you know right. box stuff well some and, of our first employees were um uh, refugees from vietnam and because uh, they didn't have to have language skills mm -hmm. you know you could work for us and cut fabric or sew fabric you don't have to have language skills our first employee really was a uh, had been a colonel 
in the South Vietnamese Army, and he was taken to a to a Vietnamese uh, re-education camp for 14 or 15 years, and uh, and then finally got uh, was able allowed to be released and came to America, only because some other people who he knew had, by that time had come to Oklahoma City and 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 they actually had become. They had actually started a chain of restaurants, which is still going big today. And so by that time, you know, they had these restaurants, and uh, they were able to get him uh, out of out of the prison camp. So uh, that that was uh, quite. <laughs> so that was our that was our first employee. Him and the, him and his wife, and then um, others from uh, El Salvador. A lot of people from El Salvador. Um, um, you know, Central American countries, and then yeah. of course everywhere. Today we have employees from Burma. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the few places you can work without, you know, any uh, language. Yeah, yeah, that's. And that's we do awesome. have a lot of long-term employees, and that's another thing that we're very proud of. Um, we have employees are who've been with us for you know 20, 21, 22 years now who are. Uh, you know, work on our floor. Yep. In fact, our longest term employee now is um, our longest term, plural, <laughs> you know, not just it, our, our people on the floor, other than myself. Right. You know, I've been here since 1985. They've all been here since uh, 2000, 1999, right around there. Yeah. So uh, it's quite, a, and they, they joke about it. In fact, they, they kind of marvel at, at you know, because when they first started, you know, we were at a real small warehouse, and it was just ten people. You know, six or seven people, and uh, you know they're cutting this fabric and and sewing it, and you know we're selling a little bit now. Of course, you know we've got a hundred, hundred fifty or more. You know, it's a big production line, and you know they're looking around thinking, "Whoa, what the?" You know, the the company has come a long way since long the way. humble beginnings, and, and we're you know. And we're yelling at them, saying, "Where are you going to have to work overtime again? We just got another work, you know, that kind of stuff." So it's nice uh, and very, very nice for them that that uh, we've been able to provide a, a great place of employment uh, for them. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are certainly, you know, new to the country or are immigrants. Yeah. Some are not. It just depends a little bit. Yeah, and uh, those guys downstairs just do a heck of a job. You know, the quality of well, smart pots when, is, is A1. When somebody's, when you're making a bag, or you're, let's say, running the cutting machine, or you're making the bag or the sewing, if the fabric's not quite right, you know, after you've made a couple thousand bags, and you grab fabric that's not right, well, you know it. Mm -hmm. Or or if the stitch isn't right, you know it. Mm -hmm. You know, so and we have a process where where you can you know kind of report and 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 check. So we have a lot of checks mm -hmm. to make sure that the quality is is there, and that really helps to have when you have long term employees. Those checks work, mm -hmm. and all of our competitors have, as far as I know, have zero checks. They never even see the product. Right. Most of our competitors. The bags are made in China by people who don't know what the bag is for. They're sent directly to the customer. The customer pulls it out and uses If it was bad fabric or thread or stitched wrong or anything like that, well, 
who would know? Mm -hmm. The only the first person who's actually seen it is the grower. You know, it's the guy who's going to use it, who just pulled it out of the box. Yep. So at our place, it's very different. Yep. We know about it. Now, what would you say has been the largest challenge that you've faced in building up high caliper growing into the company that it is today? Well, a great number of challenges. At first, was just to stay above water and to, to, you know, to sell enough product to 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 survive to the next year because our product quality wasn't that good. So we did was it that we didn't have that good of a product, or that we just weren't making it very well. But if the idea was sound, one thing that always kind of kept me going was thinking, okay, this idea is sound, this idea should work. Now, the product we have doesn't really work, but if we had a better product, it mm -hmm. would work. And trying to build that better product, which took quite a few years, quite a long time, but more recently, meaning in the last 15, 20 years, it's growing um, you know, financially to be able to grow, to to add, to, 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 you know, expand to, you know, oh, we're going to make more bags. Well, we need a new building. Mm -hmm. You know, it's those types of things to be able to expand and then contract and expand and, and contract. The market has been very, very up and down. And to be able to manage that is, is quite a, uh, you know, financially to be able to manage it. And we've got, you know, our accountant, Philip and, and, it it just uh, it's a challenge. Planning for the because, next year yeah. is difficult in the yeah. gardening industry because well, you don't know yeah. how well your customer is going you to do know. the previous year, and yeah. you know are they going to be and, needing and, to buy and, more? And this, and, this last year or two years kind of run the last year and two years all blurred together with COVID. You know when COVID first hit. Uh, well, first of all, when COVID first hit, I was at a trade show in Barcelona. And was and got stuck over there because you know nobody wants to. Oh, it's COVID. You know we don't want you to come home. It's you know. I, I warned. I remember this, warning this, against yes, you going. Yes, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, a number of of people in the company told me not to go to Barcelona. That COVID was going to hit, and and I told them, no, that's wrong. There's no. There were no cases of COVID. When I got on the plane, there were no cases of COVID in Barcelona. And by the time I got off the plane in Barcelona, there were like a thousand cases, and it was a breakout. And anyway, so but but there, you know, like with COVID, well, should we even be open? What what should we do? What are we supposed to do? Are we essential? Is it what? It, it there were all of these questions. Right. And of course, then with COVID, more people turned to gardening suddenly. So suddenly the garden, our garden stores were, you know, calling us for more smart pots. Mm -hmm. You know, our garden stores were suddenly sold out. And we, on the other hand, are, are thinking we, we're going to have to dismiss everybody because, you know, because we don't want people to get sick. What do you do? It, it becomes... You know, it becomes quite a challenge, and, and our guys did a really good job, I must say. But it it it's stressful and 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 challenging. Yeah, I think we've had a, well. a really good last two years. But just from what I know that you know you and Jeff have had to deal with, there's been a lot of headaches 
well uh, to go with yeah, that growth. Yeah, that's 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 for sure, and that's coming off of you know the collapse before that a, a year before mm-hmm. where the market just completely collapsed and crashed and burned, and uh, you know so the the grow market is just way up and down. Yeah, and it gets very hard to <clears throat> hard to predict. Yeah, and we try to balance that by being in different markets. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're in the nursery market, we sell the tree growers. We're in the cannabis market, we're selling the cannabis growers. We're in the lawn and garden market, we sell to to independent garden centers. But it's not an even mix, and and those markets overlap, and, yep. and, and if one of them collapses, well, how do you even know that it collapses? They don't tell you. You know, the tree market, collapsed around 2008 with with the housing market sure. housing crashed well about four or five months later suddenly landscaping crashes which means the tree grow all that crashes well they don't make a big announcement oh the tree market's going to crash you better you know so you just you don't know right and the same with the cannabis market in uh 2017 yep you know completely collapsed well nobody told us yeah you know? so it gets difficult to these things get very difficult. Yeah, yeah. You, you can you can plan ahead the best that you can, but right, you know. Right. Yeah, but you're still just kind of you do you do the best you can. I, you know. But we do try. We make a good product. I, I say you do the best you can, but 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 if you make a good product, you make it consistently. You offer it at a fair price. You got to tell people what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you stay a little bit conservative in your financing. Uh, you know, so that your credit cards aren't totally maxed out, then you can. Yeah, don't you know, you you can don't, don't overextend yourself thinking right, that right. the next year is just going to be gangbusters, right, right, just right. in case it's not. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, what are some challenges that you see on the horizon in in the near, or maybe long term? Um, you know, either I guess for high caliper or maybe for the general growing and gardening industry well our end of the gardening industry is and it depends on what you mean by the gardening industry our end on the lawn and garden side is to educate people and we particularly try to focus on growing vegetables because we find a niche in vegetables that we didn't find or couldn't find you know gets back to when i was talking about the potato bag with gardener supply well why do you specifically say it's potato well you know if you can tell people help people find a real use for your product that really helps you introduce the idea and the concept of fabric containers well what we found over the years is that with with if someone's growing roses or begonias or something like that well they probably want a decorative container because they're going to be in the front porch and it needs to look nice and that can look looking nice is is very important to them Um, on the other hand if they're growing twenty thousand begonias or petunias or commercial grow well they need a plastic pot because they can move it around and that's what Home Depot wants to buy from them is a plastic pot. Mm-hmm. So where does a fabric pot, where does a smart pot fit in with something like that? Well, we have found that the best place for us to, or the easiest niche for us to fit in, in lawn and garden, is for customers who are growing something they're going to eat, something mm-hmm. they're going to ingest. 
the farm to table movement. If you're growing your own tomatoes, if you're growing your own cucumbers, if you're growing potatoes, if you're if you're growing something that you're gonna some way ingest, mm-hmm. then the smart pot is it. So we tried to niche ourselves and tell people in lawn and garden, oh, you have customers who want to grow something they're gonna eat, they should use a smart pot. Yeah. So sending that message out has has been very important uh, to us, and that's you know that's kind of our niche in lawn and garden, in cannabis. You know, as the cannabis market changes, then we try to stay up with it. And those cannabis growers who are using containers, uh, not growing in the ground, if they're growing in containers. Well, ours is the best container to use. It's it distributes the water more evenly. It root prunes better. You can reuse it. Mm-hmm. Just a better container for cannabis. Yeah. But that market we we dominate, and uh, or at least we're the, you know, we're the we're the you know the heavyweight there yep um and then our standard tree market as well yeah right so keeping those pushing forward on all of those okay what would you say is the biggest strength of high caliber growing well currently the made in usa is um it allows us to continually check quality control have great quality control it allows us to focus where you know where the customer needs are you know if we need to make if we need 15 gallon bags or we need 30 gallon bags or the market suddenly shifts and they want 200 gallon bags well you know we're making it here so we can shift it and that also means that we can deliver to the customer as quick as possible you know which is which is very very nice to be able to deliver to people. Now we, with COVID, we got backed up a little bit, but we were delivering quicker than any of our competitors were delivering. So we still, you know, were working forward yeah. pretty as, you know, as, as best we could. But had we not been made in USA, you know, oh my goodness, then you're waiting, you know, three or four months. And then you're, you're trying to, you know, trying to you know port in long beach or los angeles and and you know you're like the 1500th container ship out there so yeah anybody who's in the manufacturing uh, world importing uh is feeling the pain right now it's it's an issue it has been um now kind of getting into you know you personally do you have a favorite plant that you like to grow yeah, but not. I'm I'm more of an eater than a grower. Me too. Now I we have a greenhouse here, and we grow at home, and 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 so yes, but I I enjoy more uh, eating, you know, tomatoes or cucumbers or or something that is fresh. Basil, mm-hmm. herbs. It's just amazing herbs that are fresh, where you pick them off and put them in a pasta. The, the, it has a much greater moisture content. The flavor content is just amazing, just overpowering. Yep. So I like the eating more than the growing. Uh, not now. Most of our customers are more into the growing. But I'm, I'm, I'm more of an eater. Well, you know, if you want to eat it, you know, you got to grow it first. <laughs> well, so, that's, yeah. you know, it's, I'm, it's I'm, a I'm right there with deal. you. I don't, yep. I don't know, you know. Um, now, I'm sure you've. Well, I've heard so many stories, uh, uh, you know, of customers of ours over the years. Do you have a favorite story uh, or I guess maybe a favorite customer uh, that you've met over the years? Something that that might just be kind of off the wall? Well, I 
uh, we've been blessed with with uh, so many great customers. Well, one good story. There's a whole bunch, but one that that you would appreciate was uh, I told you the the innuendo, the smart pot. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're making a smart pot for for years, you know, five or six years before we knew there was such thing as an innuendo. But once we get ensconced in in uh, you know Northern California, Mendocino, Humboldt, the the uh, Emerald Triangle area, and all of that kind of stuff, I was up there one time in a Mendocino County, and we were going out to to a dinner with some customers, and this one guy, you know, we're having beers. This one guy's you know looking over at me and goes, "Man, you're you're a genius, man!" He's drinking his beer. You're a genius. Came up with that that smart pot, that word smart pot. Hey, you're a genius, man! He's drink. How how'd you do it? How, you're a genius. I'm going. Well, we're not. I don't know if I'm a genius. So there's this customer tree grower in Tampa, Florida, and he's growing maple trees and oak trees, and and you know he really kind of helped. He came up with the word. So guys, he's listening to us, and he goes. Finally, he figures out. You know. This, this, they came up with this to grow maple trees and oak trees. He goes, you mean it, you, the word smart pot, it doesn't have anything to do with what goes on around here? And I said, no, it's this French guy, the maple trees, the oak trees. And he goes, well, the guy slams his beer down. He goes, oh, the luck, I, you know. So anyway, it was kind of. Just uh, ruined that guy's day. I kind of ruined his day. I, you know, you wanted to, if you want to think we're geniuses, you know, go right ahead, buddy. But, uh. Unfortunately, the story is a little more mundane, <laughs> but uh, oh, nice. but it did, you know. Ultimately, it did kind of work out for everybody. Yes, yes. Um, now, so we're always happy to go to Mendocino County. <laughs> Where um, now? Uh, high caliper growing has been around, you know, uh, for decades, and success hasn't come overnight. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement for entrepreneurs? Uh, not really, other than uh, don't do it. <laughs> Just it. Uh, I, I've, you know, I, I've. It's taken us a long time. You know, when I started, I had brown hair, and now I have gray hair. I, I, so, so it, it's. Um, People see you know, Kurt Rieger, I, I, the I, successful man, but they don't know right, about the yeah. years and years of, of, you know, struggling to right, right, refine right. the product right. and, you know, keep right, the customers right. and find so, new ones. So, so it's I, been a long I, I, trudge. I, you know, I, I would be a little bit slow to, to, uh, to offer advice. You, 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 we just kind of, we, we just kind of have plowed ahead and say, and one, the one thing that did, keep me going or keep us going uh, was the knowledge that I knew that we were dealing with some really interesting um, concepts, concepts of root pruning, root enhancement, improving the root structure on a plant. Well, that had to mean something. There had to be something beneficial that could come from that. I don't know what, but surely there would be something because it was fascinating that we were doing it and 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 there had to be some type of benefit that could be of use to somebody mm-hmm. and but finding that was has taken a very very long time yeah so i guess yeah. you know uh, long, long story short don't expect your success to come overnight 
um, you know, unless well, you win not, in the lottery yeah, or something. Yeah, certainly not in the lawn garden or the <laughs> or well or or any of these or the cannabis or the nursery industry. They're all well. I don't, the cannabis industry moves quickly. Lawn and garden moves a lot slower, and the nursery industry moves at a glacial pace. Yes. The only thing that moves slower than the nursery industry is probably wine, only because the time periods are long. You know, yeah. how long does it take you to grow grapes and make wine? Well, before you sell it, you know, years and years and years and years. So you're very slow to want to change anything. Well, if you're growing oak trees, that's a four or five year process. And if you mess up in year one, you know, you're out for mm -hmm. year four. Right. So you're very slow to make any change because, you know, because it's a quite a year's process. You, 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 you can't experiment so much with that. Yeah. Um, so it becomes a very slow moving industry. Yeah. So entrepreneurs, <laughs> if you're looking to get into yeah. the lawn and garden industry, you know, <laughs> do, do your homework, make sure you know what you're doing and be uh, in store for Something struggles. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> But so you know, and anything worth doing yeah. is worth struggling for and 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 persevering. Yeah. So and we've had you know, I've greatly benefited by being around some great people, and uh, you know, I've been very blessed with that. With uh, you know, with now my wife and and other employees that have that have really helped us along the way. Yep. Yep. Certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this has really been uh, a great interview, and I've actually learned even more about the company uh, than I had uh, known before. Than so than thank you so much, Kurt, for, Thanks for, for having, me, Eric. Having, the, having us here. Appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to seeing everybody out, uh, out on the road, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you.